Hi, I'm Frankie Frayne, and I've been making movies since I was a kid. I've made three low-budget feature films of varying success, and I went to film school. Twice. For better or worse, I've developed a science for completing feature-length projects on pocket change, and it has a lot to do with the kinds of conversations you'll hear on this podcast with teachers, friends, and artists. You don't have to pay 40 grand a year for bad advice. This is Discount Film School. This was originally recorded as a an episode of How Are We, which is one of our sister podcasts on RedCowEntertainment.com. Uh, it was back before I even knew or thought that I would have a filmmaking podcast where I sat down with Kyle and Dan. We talked about uh, NAB, uh, the National Association of Broadcasters um, conference in 2012. So for those who are camera nuts, techie nuts, uh, give this a roll. Otherwise, skip to the next one. Listen to actual interviews with filmmakers. Uh, down the line, I'm sure Kyle and Dan and I will do one about uh, about their actual artistic pursuits and not about tech shit. But if you like this kind of thing, give it a listen. How are we, everybody? It's Frankie here, and I've got Kyle and Dan my friend Dan Leach knows an awful lot about uh, about some of the new toys that have come out this past year at NAB, the big um, the big media sort of uh, toy presentation. What does it even stand for? I don't even know. What it's National for. Association of Broadcasters. Ah, That's right. I knew that. Right. And um, and he he showed us some some cool cameras. Well, one cool camera the other day, and I was like, we could probably fill an hour on this. So for those of you who are looking for the making fun of fat people or whatever whatever else we've been doing on the past episodes, this might not be the episode for you. This is for those of you who, who found us because you're into independent filmmaking and, uh, and want to talk about toys. And just, we are diverging drastically. If you want to do a little <laughs> geek talk. We're not, we're not going for laughs today. This is today, the digression episode. Today is going to be a little more conversational, a little bit more uh, infotech. So, uh, Dan, what's the first toy you can tell us about? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of work my way up with the little right. dialogue. I'm not gonna get to the big to the most exciting stuff that I kind of wet my pants over. Okay, yet. all right. But um, <laughs> see, I, I got to bring moisten a, uh, moisten me first. <laughs> and what, then, what's your yeah. phrase, Kyle, that you've been using? Uh, which one? Your instead, la- of, in, so, instead of like moistening the pants. Oh uh, yeah, it looks like you uh, a creamsicle. Uh, liquefied in your pants or on your lap. It looks like uh, it was way, way too long. It to was, be yeah, it was no, way no. funnier when I said it. It would appear time. that a creamsicle yeah, has it's... found its way into your undergarments. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ruined that one. Um, it's funny when I said it. But anyway, good starting. What's a good starting point here? I'd like to start with you know, the, you know, the fancy camera that everyone loves to talk about is red. Give us a little give, before you go into it. Give us a little history. What's NAB? What do people do? Where is it? All what right. the fuck is all? And why this? do we NAB. care? Why do we care about why NAB? Do we, I almost honestly, never do care about this. Honestly, kind of thing. honestly, at this point with all these trade shows that we have nowadays, it's like this is where companies and organizations go to show off what they're working on. NAB is specifically tailored to broadcasting. So that can go anywhere from radio, video, podcasting. I mean, anything about broadcasting media to the public. And that's mostly we're talking live streams is what we're talking about. And it's become kind of a, like, the, the world of IT has entered this too, where it's like, Very it's, much it's so. also storage you and it's also yeah, networking. You, you cannot get out, you cannot talk about any method of media distribution without also bringing IT infrastructure into it. Um, so for this reason... Um, I mean, a lot. I mean, for this reason, you have so many, like thousands and thousands and thousands of people that go to this event, let alone millions that read about it um, and are just, you know, scrolling with their uh, scroll wheel, like almost like they're reading Reddit on the NAB, on Engadget and whatnot. 
But um, video crackheads. Pretty much. I mean, that's uh, this is. It's akin. It's sort of akin to like the the big Apple conferences in a way, where it's like it's it's not just it's not just geeks that are interested in new toys. It's there's also sort of a vogue about it. Yeah. Would you say that's true? A vogue. I, a vogue. I'd say it's oh, I'd say it's less of a. Uh, of a warship of technology, but more of like a warship. Oh, that's cool. Or yeah. a worship. A warship. Or worship. A worship. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the question we want you all to be asking throughout the show: a yes. warship or a worship? This is, a creamsicle or a dreamsicle? A dreamsicle. So it's expensive for manufacturers to show up and 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 have presentations at this. It's a reserve a table is, is like an astronomical price. Mm. So there are other there are companies that have said to hell with this. We're not going to be involved with this anymore. Apple is one of them. Um, so they do their own thing on the side, for instance, because they want to stand out. Because it's become a bit of a trash heap. Yeah, they want to stand out as being the better people, like and not conforming to the you know to the society of showing off what they've got coming, because that's what this is about. Instead, they're going to have their they have their own event, usually the Sunday uh, prior, saying, "Okay, here's what we, we've here's what we are releasing now that is going to be appropriate for broadcasters." So, for instance, Apple talked about uh, new features in Final Cut. Um, Did they release the set, the Canon 7Ds and, and the 5D at any, at NAB, or is that like a private no, Canon release? Canon typically stays separate for the same exact reasons. That's another. They also introduced some stuff that uh, uh, the Sunday, the, the weekend prior to NAB. I didn't. I forgot to mention the, these two guys, Dan and Kyle, shot my movie. That's, the, that's the why we care part. That's what that, that, yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> why do we give a shit about this? Sorry, oh, sorry. maybe because we shot a movie and totally we care about cameras. So we always care about like, okay, how can we do this better next time? Yeah. Or what or should and, be on the lookout and cheaper for? Cheaper or better? Yeah, exactly. Or what workflow should we take so that we're ready for it when we're you know when we come to post or whatever? Because you have to understand like how fucking cheap we made that movie for. Oh, Jesus. So stupidly cheap. So stupidly cheap. <laughs> like so, it's for the time. I now mean, maybe not so. No, maybe it could be cheaper now. It was two years ago, but it moves that fast. Um, so now we're kind of like we shot that movie on on a couple of seven Ds with some homemade rigs for the most part, and um, and with the mixer, the audio mixer we're using right now. To give you an idea of like last year, like the big theme for NAB is, was three D. Everyone was going really? 3D like happy. like homemade 3D Last type year. shit. I mean everything. No, three from the, 3D the ease t- of from having 3D the rates. whole. I mean, I mean, if you want to talk about like integrated work, I mean, um, not integrated, but what's the term that they always throw out? Um, uh, vertical vertical integration. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to talk about vertical integration. Uh, of me of a new type of media, it was definitely 3D last year. So the so vertical integration means you shoot it, the format you shoot it on goes into post, what, and that goes directly into it's just being able to take the file basically that you shot, moving it from piece to piece to piece instead of having to go. Well, I shot it in this raw file, then I have to bring it, I have to convert it for Final Cut, and then I have to convert it over to this. Coloring yeah. stuff, you have to do vertical integration, so that, easing that process. So that part's kind of all old news. No one was really announcing anything new with 3D. The gen, I mean, one of the you know the interesting things that I that I viewed was, um, I mean, of course, everyone's going to have higher resolutions and trying to push the push the formats a little bit. But the big thing I noticed was uh, a few companies that were doing live streaming direct from the camera. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that too. So, for instance... So, I mean, like straight to the web? Straight to the web. Camera to web? Camera Camera to to web. web. Holy fuck. Done. And you could do that either over Wi-Fi or even just plug in like a USB, like 3G or 4G. So it's not even touching base with a laptop or, or you know... Direct direct to the web. H.264 encoder, right on the camera, right to the web. So the the camera's got a Wi-Fi receiver? That's right. Um, Potentially. Now... 
idiot me. I left my laptop over at my desk, so I didn't bring my list. But um, who was it, real quick, that did this? It was I think it was JVC. Mm-hmm. I'm not, J, uh, yeah, the JVC HM, like the no, JVC so. HM six hundred. If I'm remembering the model correctly. But they included a Wi uh, Fi in the camera for this specific uh, for this specific reason. So that's for broadcast as well as FTP access, direct to the camera. Wow. Um, there's also so a- if, so so if I'm um, if I'm the web developer mm-hmm. and I want the recorded video clip, I could actually FTP to the a directory on the camera. Yes. Wow. That's correct. That's yeah. awesome. Not it, that's kind of cool. But when we're talking about high bit rate stuff, it's like. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a really slow connection. I mean, honest. I mean, honestly, I don't. See, I, I see it being useful purely for the live stream to a web page, like yeah. something that's highly compressed. That's happening at the same time as it being recorded locally to the camera. You know, and I mean, security cameras have been doing this for years. Yeah, they yes. just never brought it over to a commercial. Camera. But they—that's because that, they're just sitting there, static, yeah, doing nothing. Yeah. Now, there's another company and. They've been—I mean—they've been showing off their tech for a while, but they had finally a working demo at NAB. Um, again, I'm blanking on their name because I don't have my note sheet on me. But um, what this is—what this is interesting—is they will look. It's just a little, a tiny little box that you can attach to anything, whether it be a deck, a camera, doesn't matter what, and they'll take uh, like an SDI signal, either HD or SD, or HDMI, or a component, I believe, as well. And rebroadcast that uh, over its built-in Wi-Fi if you've got a Wi-Fi hub nearby, or you plug in your 3G or 4G USB. So adapter. give us the layman's application for this. It's the same. It's instead of what's going on. What's exactly. going on is rather than having to buy a camera that has Wi-Fi built in, you can now take this device, plug it into anything, and it just is your conversion hub right there. I see. The downside is. You've got to pay a monthly fee for this service because it, it all goes through their own web. Well, it, it sounds to me like it's this whole thing of like let's let's turn the camera into your computer. Pretty much. Let's make yeah. the camera do the encoding. The camera do the well, network connection. Since processing well, is so is cheap all, now, who cares? It's also like a processor and everything. Yeah. It's also not just processing. I mean, like, I mean, they're probably throwing ARM CPUs in these things that, to to crunch all this. But multi-core processing and that kind of technology, it's just like it, it's a no-brainer to develop cheap devices that can do this. The hard part has always been the back the back end infrastructure. Everyone is cloud happy. That's what makes this doable. And cloud being? Cloud being is a, a server that sits in a server room someplace who the hell cares where. It's that's what's doing the real broadcasting for you. That's the relay that everyone looks at. Yeah. Um it just sounds so mystical. It's it's selling services rather than hardware. Right. Like you will you pay us a monthly fee, we'll do all the hard work for you. It's just an input and an output as far as the, so the consumer is so, concerned. So the best way to describe it is so back in the day you had um you know, let's say you bought a domain or you bought some web space. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you're, we're going to host you on this server. It was kind of like a specific, like, we're going to give you this computer. Um, yeah. Or we're going to give you this. Now it's just like, you know what? We've got a warehouse full of fucking storage. And we don't if really. We'll just give you a folder. Yeah. Upload, upload your files here. We don't really care. We'll That's guarantee right. that it's up. And, 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 I mean, like, web hosting's done that for a long time. But when, especially, like, the Apple mobile devices started to come out. And it was like, well, you're going to have to sync to computers, and that became kind of unpopular. It was like, if we could just if we could just have a place where people can shove all their shit and pay a monthly fee to do that and not worry about running around with hard drives 
Um, and that that's kind of the I guess they thought that the best way to market that to to the layman was to call it the cloud. That's right. They're like, don't worry about it. It's a cloud. It's, it's up in the cloud. It's up in the cloud. It's up in the cloud. Who cares? I mean, which, honestly, which is, honestly, coming from a tech background, that just confused me. I was yeah. like, what cloud? Where are these clouds? Where is it? <laughs> all, all it really means is that your data sits in a data center somewhere. Yeah, that's all and, it means. And they're just trying to make it so that you shouldn't have to care about physically where it is. Just know that it is accessible. It's and somewhere. that we're going to take, and that this company, whatever company it is, is going to take care of all the hard work for you. But we're getting awfully IT. These, our listeners are, are, fil- are our, our listeners I mean, are filmmakers. They want to know how to make fucking. I don't even know what they want to do. Titanic 3D. <laughs> so I mean, again, like so, 3D was last year's focus. Not so. Much, I mean, everyone can. I mean, blue, 3D Blu-ray players, 3D TVs, they're already in production. You can do that. If Nobody you want. wants them. Nobody's buying them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I accidentally yeah. bought a 3D TV. I didn't even care you that did? it was 3D. I mean, mine is a 3D TV. That was an accident. Oh, well, I mean, I, it was a feature that I didn't really notice until after I bought it and set it up. I was like, oh yeah, there's this 3D thing. But it's all the it's only active shutter glasses. Yeah. Which is annoying as hell. Spend, Ex- drop another. What, what the hell is that? Okay, so a 3D TV. You have to buy glasses to look at the 3D in this. And if you've ever been to a 3D movie, you're like, oh, what, the little paper things? No problem. Exactly not. You don't get it that easy. (laughs) It would be great if it was that easy. Instead, we have to buy our what's known as, I think think the technical term are active shutter glasses, where they're they're glasses that cost 100, 200 bucks a pop. They sync with the TV so that each eye... Open, uh, darkens or closes. I yeah. can't remember what the hell it does, but it just syncs up with the TV in a really dumb way so it, to produce the 3D effect. Do you guys remember when, uh, like, different television channels would host, like, 3D nights on TV? Yeah. And it didn't fucking work? Wait, I, what? I, I don't re- know this. I remember. Well, I know that I think ESPN has a dedicated 3D channel. Though. That is correct. Bro, so, if yeah, you, if like you that. remember that, pull up to a mic. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it because I remember, I don't remember, this I remember the big debut of, like, um, one of the morning shows or something wanted to debut their show in 3D. When was this? It was within the last few months. Okay, I'm talking like early 90s. Oh. There, there was like... Uh, you mean a, like red and blue glasses? Yes. There, oh. was, a ni- there was a night of um, TGIF, you know, when they would air like Full House or yeah. whatever the hell it was. They would air like all the sitcoms. And one night they were like... I don't need that. One night they were like, all of our shows are going to be um, uh, in 3D. And they were like, and to get your glasses, go to Burger King or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And so they did this get whole your cheap plastic. They did glasses. this whole co-sponsorship thing, and I, I like dutifully like made my way to Burger King, got the goddamn glasses. You got know your happy meal. You know what? I think yeah, I, remember, I think glasses. I remember these com- the commercials for this <laughs> coming around. And then point. I, yeah, I totally put on the glasses and was ready for the Friday night of my life. <laughs> and <laughs> and all they did was like they would like kind of wave things in, in front of the camera and throw like and it popcorn didn't really at the work. camera. Like no, it didn't work really... at all. Yeah, Not even a little bit. All right. In fact, I think it made it more flat. <laughs> it just made you forget. And then I remember, and, and like even even made cut, all the colors weird. Even kind of recently, I remember I bought um, the Star Wars Family Guy DVD set. I'm oh, talking yeah, like maybe yeah. three or four years ago, yeah. and they came with red and blue glasses, and we're like, "Oh, we have one of our sequences in 3D." Yeah, Jackass 3D has the DVD version that's in red Is and it, blue. I put on the glasses, and there's it nothing. doesn't work at all. I know. I'm like, I don't these red fucking bl- crooks. See, red and blue was uh, that was a gimmick that worked like. Eons ago, for I mean, it's a little gimmick. That's all it is. It's just not good. We're, we're so used. Yeah, but to red and blue worked because I used to go to like I, yeah. I I went to the um I don't know like the under the sea like IMAX thing and it totally worked. Yeah, because you're immersed in it. Well, that's because it takes over though. your entire anytime vision. I've gone, any anytime I've gone to IMAX in the past fifteen years, I want to say it's been no. Like I the remember. Sync. I nah. remember being at Universal Studios Florida, 
There was a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing, which was a huge screen. They did it in 3D in yes. red, and, red and blue. Well, and it worked like gangbusters. No, it no, 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 no. I remember that was that was polarized. Was it polarized? That was polarized. All right, well. I had two. I remember Disney, working like amazing. I, I mean, like, oh, my God, I hate no, this. No, Disney always did that polarized. Really? I All had right. t- I had two um, almost uh, uh, traumatizing 3D experiences. Traumatizing. Did you vomit? I was no. I was in. I was did in. A dreamsicle melt in your lap. I was in Disney. I was at Disney World in 1992. I was six years old. Um, the year is 1992. The year is 1992. Oh God! I had the sinus infection slash allergy allergies of my life. Um, like I when I was like a ten when I was like ages zero to ten, I was the <laughs> snot I was the snottiest ten. kid ever, and um. And we spent all of Disney World. My parents spent all of Disney World wiping up my snot. Uh, <laughs> gross. Sorry wow. about that. Everybody. All right. And I remember we went to what was it? Uh, MGM, I guess. Yeah. And we saw the Muppets in 3D. And and uh, I, I think like Statler and Waldorf or somebody like came out of the screen and was like, "Hey kid, you have some snot coming out of your nose." No. Oh! <laughs> and it terrified and I, you. I looked. I looked at my parents and was like, "How do they know? How do the Muppets know?" Hilarious. And um, that was one. And then two, we went Scarred on, you for life. Th- this was the one that actually scarred me. We went to Michael Jackson's 3D extravaganza. Oh, Jesus when was this? Same year. Same, same year. Same, same week, probably. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, then he I, went to, and then he went to Justin Bieber 3D. Oh, <laughs> man. Justin Bieber's 3D? Justin Bieber was Is still, there even a... Wasn't was it even... Yeah, yeah, oh, Justin Bieber wasn't even sprung at this point. I don't no, know right. how I knew about this, but they did a 3D movie. Oh. Anyway, what were we even talking about? I just remember I fell, I, fell asleep oh. dur- I fell asleep during the Michael Jackson 3D extravaganza, and I woke up, and he was like turning into animals and stuff, and I, I somehow felt it, felt molested. <laughs> so anyway. Um, well, that's before because, any that's of the because the glasses was a scam. He was actually there molesting him. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, definitely. May he rest They were like, place. I'm in 3D. <laughs> <laughs> See? I can reach out and touch you. <laughs> anyway, 3D. <laughs> 3D's dead. No, I mean, it's going to continue to be a gimmick. Are It'll people going to buy this now. shit? I don't fucking know. No, they not until, Did, I told not you guys, until there's an affordable TV that does not require you to have glasses. Which isn't going to happen, because as long as they can try to milk people on those glasses, they're going to try to. But yeah. I, did you guys, I, I probably I probably told you guys that they're going to be raising the prices of 2D movies in order to lower the prices of 3D movies in theaters. Ugh. That so basically, surprise me at all. So it, does, cool. well, it makes perfect. It makes perfect sense. sense. That's yeah. how they keep people sucks. going to the theaters. Well, do you think I? I know that I, for one, like I used to be kind of kind of excited about 3D, and as much like I remember when I never was never like two or three years ago before Avatar, Ava, Ava, Avatar. before Avatar, <laughs> like six months before Avatar, um, they had like My Bloody Valentine 3D. They had a few movies that came out in 3D. Yeah, and I was really excited at the prospect of like, oh yeah, put put horror movies in 3D because that's perfect. Oh yeah, I mean I Piranha 3D that. was amazing. Because that's a great that's a great callback like, to like dumb, the, the old days of like yeah. the 1950s, like making fun of itself. Like, Vincent Price's House of Wax was in 3D, and like I like that kind of cheesy bullshit. So I was like, that's great. And I remember like looking everywhere for a theater that just and this is just like two years ago, just looking for a theater that had uh, 3D cinemas, and there were like none. And then Avatar came out, and you can't avoid them now. Yeah. And now I'm like, I find I'm like, I will pay extra for 2D. I really will. I really, I will. Want will. To, I will pay extra for 2D. Nina can't see, see it, 3D. first of all. So I'm just pirate. pissing money away there. <laughs> can't she, say that on the air. Oh no, put, I didn't say that. <laughs> Nina puts uh, puts on the glasses, and all it does is make it not blurry. Yeah, but it doesn't call. It doesn't. She can't see the 3D. I was there was one movie I was going to go see in the theaters, and it was only released in 3D, as in you could not see it in 2D. 
Yeah. It might have been like Thor or something. She's a pain in the ass. And I was somebody. gonna, I was gonna get the glasses, <sighs> and I was gonna. There, there's a procedure for making it so it just it turns it into two D. I can't remember. You just take two left lenses and put them in there. And so it's you can use your left eye. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a little of a pain in the ass because I have astigmatism and I wear glasses. I mean, I don't need glasses, but it, it makes it so much easier for me to be able to see what's on the screen. <laughs> so wearing both my regular glasses as well as the 3D glasses on top of that, I just feel like... It's ridiculous. I feel like an idiot. I, am I just an old man or, do, or does the pla- do the plastic glasses actually hurt the head? I mean, if you have Depends a big on the I'm not talking. I'm not talking like like my like from looking at the 3D, I get a headache. I'm no, talking no, about yeah. literally my the sides of my head ache from having your head's crappy, I totally understand crappy glasses. I can on totally it. understand that. Okay, it's just like wearing shitty ass headphones. Yeah, yeah, same idea. I'm just like, oh, get the shit off me. I did but, make the mistake of seeing Phantom Menace in 3D. It was terrible. You made the mistake of seeing Phantom Menace. <laughs> I know, I know. But I went to see it in 3D because Molly had never seen Phantom Menace in theaters, period. So I was like, all right. I bet she was fun. super young when it came out. She was. Because we were in seventh grade. Yeah. So she, yeah. I mean, she was in like third fucking grade. She was in fourth grade. You cradle robber, you. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, we should sure get back you? to this thing because it's already like, what, five, four <laughs> We're 20 minutes in. Okay. Um. So, yeah, 3D is dead. <laughs> it's not an NEB anymore. It's I not know, dead. It's not, it's not, they're not talking about it. I would so much the, rather theme... looking forward to Dark Knight Rises in a big way because they're shooting some of it in IMAX. And that's not, all, that's not what 3D. I want. So, I want IMAX. So this yeah. year, they kind of, they, I mean, they're starting to get it right in terms of what they should have been developing all along. And yes. that's higher resolution. Yeah. They're doing it the Chris Nolan method. Exactly. Um, so right, Higher resolution and cheaper. Yes, that's, that's that is that I is like. a big thing. So, for instance, you know, everyone loves to see what Red's coming out with. Like, oh, wow, well, th- that's that. Tell us what the Red is now. The Red camera was the first cinema camera to allow for you to record in a ultra high resolution of 4K, resulting in digital hard-ons. Yeah. Might, <laughs> we might say, right? Digital, oh, p- p- people right. got awfully excited that about g- this. That, g- that gives you just a digital hard-on. But what causes the uh, digital ejaculation? <laughs> what really strokes brings you the digital climax? What <laughs> really gives you the cream of the pants? Yes, um, <laughs> is the fact that it shoots in RAW. So you're going to have to explain all this shit because some people aren't going to know. So let me start from the top though. Resolution. Right? Resolution. So what the fuck is resolution? Resolution. Some people, some people think that it's it's the the like you know does that mean widescreen versus square? No, no, no. It's just it's the size. It's it's literally how many dots there are. Yeah, how many pixels are in the image? So right. let's take for instance your standard broadcast, and I'm talking like from like 1930s through uh, the 90s. Your standard broadcast was for the most part 640 pixels wide by 480 pixels uh, up and down. Right. That's pretty shitty. Usually you, you it was can counted only... in lines, but for, you know, I mean, on a computer you can, display. You can only to, yeah. shove so much color information yeah. into that small space. And it, I mean, it was shitty. I mean, it, and that's, it's what really your, bad. that's what all your old TVs I mean, basically that, that's look what, like. That's what an old, an old tube is always going to be. Um, so, but so then high definition was developed. Um, actually, that was I, I think that was first started being developed in the 70s, but really t- started taking on as a, as a format in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so full high definition in marketing terms is 1920 by 1080. So Can I tell you a funny thing about HD? I was watching, uh, really old episodes of the Simpsons, like, um, seasons one through nine. That's all I've, yeah. I, I've I made an oath. You will not buy any DVDs outside of seasons <laughs> outside one through of nine seasons. of the Simpsons and uh, comic book guy. Right. The character that's yeah. like, no, no, you may not that guy. Um, <laughs> He was bitching about something, and they needed to give him something really nerdy to bitch about, I think. 
And this was, I think this was the episode where Millhouse plays Fallout Boy. And so he was like complaining about. <laughs> so it's not that old. Oh, that's pretty old. Like, Prodigy ba- had barely come out by this point. Like, really, really primitive dial up uh, internet. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're talking like 1996. Fallout Boy wasn't in the 90s, it was in the 2000s. You're thinking of the band, maybe. Oh, what no, do you no, think? No, Mil- yeah. Millhouse play- there was they had a superhero named uh, Nuclear Man. Oh, and, I'm and Millhouse sorry. I was am a sidekick. Fallout Boy. All right, never mind. Continue. Um, but well, good. Maybe somebody else was thinking of the band. <laughs> well, and you yeah, just helped them out. I did. Um, He's such a but comic book guy was was like a, it's just like high definition television. We're never going to get it. And that was like 1996. Yeah. yeah, meaning they were totally like they 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 thought any day now we're going to get HD. Yep. Back then, I didn't know that that was even part of the like the public discourse yet. Abs- I mean, it, I mean, by it, that point, it was starting to be discussed. I think actually in the seventies, and the whole and the hardest thing was infrastructure. So finally, you know, trying to fit all those pixels through our crappy cable <laughs> connection. So finally, they figured it out. Nation. Late nineties is when they started to uh, show the technology at NAB, for instance, is one of those areas. But um, but yeah, pre, so HD, pre-internet so where HD NAB was like a mecca. Around. But, you know, Moore's Law, you're going to have faster, better, stronger very quickly. Um, it's really the compression algorithms that help the most, I yes. think. In, in terms of the fact that you didn't need to get – nobody needed to rewire the entire American cable system in order to get HD rolled out. It was compression algorithms. What it really was is being able to figure out how to push what digital. What are you talking about? It, was, it has to do with digital versus analog. Yeah. We were using an analog signal. So using digital, you could start to compress that image format. What's co- what's a compression algorithm? What are you talking? Do people don't know what that is? Okay, well we can talk about raw. Yeah, so get into right. raw. So okay, so so HD. Let me let me just HD at two thousand pixels across. Let's let's say yeah. let's just round it up <clears throat> is still very good image when in comparison to SD, but not good enough for a theater experience. Right. So if, you, if you've got up to if you got like a fifty five inch television, it's going to look fantastic. But if you've got, yeah. it's going to look pretty good. I know, I know. It's going to look pretty good. Oh, I didn't say sixty-five. Oh, okay, all right. My fucking home theater. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's, it looks it looks great uh, for your home, for your own home theater uh, for your standard. My television. home theater could power a small nuclear plant. It really could. <laughs> fucking wattage could that power thing the nuclear uh, plant. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. You know, it doesn't, and that's exactly um, what makes it a phenomena. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, so <laughs> when you start to deal with ultra high resolution stuff. We're talking 4000 pixels across. That's holy tits. Yeah. Oh 4, my god. 4000 pixels across is when this really started to pick up. Which like is about 10 I don't times. know that I, That's about, like saying like I was having sex with one woman. And now, now you're then, having sex then, with then a hundred. HD. That's it's well, the introduce a second woman. At a certain point, how many women can you have sex with at once? This is a lo- <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to be, com- if, and notice that any any increase in pleasure, if you wanted to make the comparison to anything tangible that a common person could see and, and view, it's the difference between seeing a movie in a standard movie theater versus seeing a movie in an IMAX theater. So, like the the more you stretch the image, the more pixels required. It's not about to stretching the image. Better. It's about how much how much information pixels. can you receive at once, right? Like, how that's much can you why an IMAX once? image is so stunning, because that image takes up an entire, your entire view. So that's what the ability you have now. Sometimes but, I'm in an IMAX movie, and I just want to sit there, my head back, and just scream the word, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in order to get that huge image, they had to use a sensor to capture the image that's pretty huge. Yes. They had to use film stock that's 
over twice as big as just a standard movie film stock. We're talking about the same kind of stock that a medium format portrait camera uses. Yeah. Check out your Dark Knight special features for this. Yeah, if you want to see the camera they use, it's like it's what, an like IMAX camera, two feet by two feet. By that was the first time that gross. movie was the first time they started running around with IMAX cameras yeah. on their shoulders, like these hundred pound. Up, to that was, up until that point, it was just purely documentary. Purposes. Yeah, they were shooting penguins, fucking waddling at each other. <laughs> Still, <laughs> but in terms of compression, when we talk about raw, we mean what we mean is what raw means is literally that the analog data and that's pure uh, conversion to digital virgin film. We're talking yeah. about. I mean, when you shoot on film, light comes into the camera, hits film, yes. and all that light information is supposedly captured as accurately as possible onto an analog film a chemical substance. Uh, uh, chemical, chemical substance. Digitally, you have a sensor that acts much like that, but tries to capture as much of that color data as possible. When we talk about RAW versus H.264, other compressions, what that means is when the light hits the sensor, it's a RAW format tries to capture that color information as accurately as possible, as, uh, and up to, and maybe exceeding now, the limits of film. It used to be the first, like, for example, we shot Sexually Frank on, an, on a 7D, that did not shoot raw footage. That shot it in a format called H.264. What that had to do is then compress that color information down to a smaller size. What that means is that it's a smaller file. It's only, 10, it's only 1920 by 1080. It's, it's HD. Of, it's, a, it's literally the same kind of compression of a YouTube video. Exactly. Just much higher yeah. resolution. But then if you want to extract from that file more color information, you can't do it because it had to limit it. Well, in order I to think you sort of can. I, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this. So, so, so Dan began the color correction on this movie. I ended up finishing it. And I believe that when you color correct... Even that that compressed footage. Are you not? You can, but it's are artificial. you not h- handing it more color information? You what we what what we did we did a process of flattening what the camera was actually recording. There are ways to get around the problem of the fact that I, uh, most digital cameras do not shoot in RAW. They cannot record all of the light information that hits the. Uh, it's a sensor. So there's ways to get around that, and, and you can refer to the color correction blog on Sexually, uh, on Sexually Frank where I, I went over the process of how we set up the cameras to kind of trick it, flatten the image. And then in color correction, post-production phase, we pulled that information back out. Yeah. But you're kind of... It's still compressed, though. You're adding information to the image through that method. The idea of RAW right, is that right. all of the color information is there. You can manipulate however you want. You're not taking away the from The light of reality is coming exactly. through the lens. So much light as there was. So here's a better example of when shooting RAW can really have an amazing impact on being able to manipulate your footage in post-production. You are shooting an exterior shot. Um, let, and let, let, Let's set up the shot. Let's set up what's, the shot. What's in the shot? Okay, we've I think a squirrel... And uh, a penisless man. <laughs> I, I like that. A squirrel. Um, and and they're in fr- man. they're in front of a uh, a general hospital. They're in front of a general hospital, which is completely backlit. Ugh. Completely backlit. <laughs> so their faces are in deep shadow, and the sky is blown out to hell because it, it's so bright out that it, it, you know it, you it can't even tell he has no dick because it's tell. completely blown out. No so, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so but, he's just this white figure, basically. So. Right. That, that's like the worst scenario, and like the, we couldn't, we don't have time to, to set up any lights or anything to, or, or flags. To no, try we got to get this. We got to get this done. That squirrel's moving. That squirrel's moving. We got to make sure we get the cum shot. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> in our house porn parody, yes, that involves squirrels and apparently um, uh, dick amputees. But anyway, so 
if we shot this this scene, for instance, with the 7D, with a flattened color profile that would allow us to do more in post-production, we still can't get that sky. It's right. going to be pure white. Yes. We couldn't record any of that. Raw in st- still records all that information. It still takes more of the information from the light hitting the camera sensor. So we the way, the way, can correct But that results in having a huge file. See, the way, every single frame is like 10 megabytes. The way compression works is it starts, it, it starts with the stuff that your eye isn't even going to notice. And it starts tossing that out. Yeah, it well. assumes that you have everything lit correctly. And then it assumes every, all the extra details It goes, well, well, I, the machine, can discern between that minute color difference. But no one's eye is going to. So the compression algorithm... Tr- does its best. It just tosses away that kind of stuff. And then the more you compress, the the more it tosses away until, you know, that's why you end up getting sort of blocky images when when, when you when it's highly compressed. That's why a DVD looks like crap when you play it on a high-def TV. Yeah. Because it's stretching all that information out far wider than it should have, and it also doesn't have the color information of the original material. And so, you know, with RAW, it's like you can, you can compress it tremendously and probably not even notice the difference. So, the, until this year... Unless there it's were, on a giant So, screen. until... The, so, bring this back to NAB. The, until this year, really, there was basically only a select few cameras that could actually record raw video. And they were very expensive. Very, very expensive. I mean, the cheapest among them was the RED camera, which is the indie filmmaker's wet dream. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, f- just to, to throw it back to digital cameras, like still cameras, they've been shooting raw for eons since their conception because yeah. it's a still frame. They only have to do one frame. If you're doing video, you're doing at least, if you're doing film you're style, doing you're doing 24, 24 frames, per frames per second. So it, it, the, the processing power to be able to absorb all that information and then store it, find something to be able to hold all of it cheaply enough <laughs> for it to be effective, it was next impossible until about this year. So what has so Red has been the only camera that's been able to do this for the past couple of, couple of uh, years, as and well they, as and they Alexa. For it. And they charge. Oh yeah, they charge. And the Ari Alexa is like another one that charges an arm and a leg. They're way more expensive, for yeah. instance. But and Red was the cheapest of the whole fleet, mind you. So what has Red come out with this year at NAB? Higher resolution. They've developed a 6K resolution image sensor. Now the the building is filled with naked women. You yes. couldn't possibly have sex with all of them. What does 6K mean? It means 6,000 pixels across. That's what it means. <laughs> so before it was – now high definition is 1,920. Now 4K high resolution is 4,000 pixels across. Right. 6K – is 6,000 pixels across. I mean, I like to compare it to um, what Apple did with the iPad. They took the same size display, but they changed the resolution. Yes. So you still have a, what is it, 10-inch? I think it's 10-inch, 9-inch display. Maybe yours. Maybe mine. Um, <laughs> and they just fit more pixels into it. The same thing is kind of happening with um, with cameras. So if you're watching a movie, a Blu-ray on your 55-inch television. Sure. 65-inch. 65-inch television. Whatever it is. If you're awesome. Whatever it is, and you're watching it in full HD, which is 1080p, which is 1920 by 1080 pixels. If you suddenly change it to a 4K, you're the same size screen. You're just fitting more information into that limited space, which makes the picture clearer, deeper, And you probably, honestly, on a screen that size, you you probably won't notice that big of a difference. You probably won't. But when suddenly you're in a movie theater... Yeah. You will notice the difference. So, I mean, so that was Red's big thing. The new sensor, they have a, a nine-inch touchscreen now as well for production. Um, I mean, making the interaction with the camera more tangible and also much larger, higher resolution. Did they make a cheaper one? 
What's the cheapest one? Of course one? not. No? All right, well, that's what we get to This next. is the thing. Like, I mean, Red is going to, they're going to have the pro tax. I mean, it's a professional camera designed for professionals by professionals. Like, it's going to be more expensive. Men. Yeah. Oh, it costs $6,000 just to upgrade from the Epic, which is their yeah. other. That's one. just to upgrade so the you already sensor. own that You camera. already own the camera. You already had to sensor. spend, like, what, 10K on an Epic? Oh, excuse more, me? More than that? You had to spend mm. roughly 20K. Oh, okay, 20K Holy on an Epic. Shit. And then another $6,000 to upgrade to this new sensor. So pretty quickly, so much for independent film. At least the way we do it. Yeah, at least the, well, the yeah. dirty gorilla style that we do it, this yeah. is not really this compatible. This is not the camera for that. Um, it was everyone's dream to be able to do that. I mean, this is rental houses were making bank on this. Yeah, because they, they still will. Because it's perfect for a short film where you maybe have three days and you're like, you know, something. The rental rate is so much less than purchasing it that that I'll just do that and I'll make my short on the red. Yeah. But for us, we had a we had you know we had a short schedule, sixteen days, but it was still sixteen fucking days, and and really that was we should have been shooting way longer. And the seven D was two thousand dollars. So there's really been a so there's really been an absolute need to make the ability to shoot in high resolution and in raw available to prosumers, professional consumers, (laughs) Um, and even consumer the consumer market needs to be for those of you shooting weddings. So right now, I mean, before NAB, the 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 kind of scale and the spectrum of if you want to shoot something cheaply and have it look good. It was pretty much Canon cameras. It was the digital with, with Nikon cameras trying to take some of that, but it was basically like we did it. It's a seventy or it's a five D Mark II, and Sony even tapped. Into yeah, that and lower. Sony even tapped, tried to tap into some of it. But the point being that these are cameras that were made for still, and they just have been appropriated to do video. That has thankfully changed now. So what are we getting to is Blackmagic Design is an interesting company that I've been looking at for a few years. They mostly focus in broadcast equipment, which is like, so they're NAB's, they're NAB's wet dream. If NAB is a wet dream to anyone, they're NAB's wet dream. Making it cheap, simple, well-designed uh, for inexpensive productions. They make a lot of per, uh, p- equipment that's perfect for podcasting, for instance, like inexpensive switchers, three thousand, like $1,000, and you've got a multi-camera s- switcher right there. Awesome. That's great. Um... And they also have been focusing on the past couple of years on making easy to record stuff, like working with solid state, taking any old solid state drive, throw it in one of their, um, I want to say maybe two thousand dollar decks, and it it does it, and it does, and it just What's does. What's a solid it. state drive? Solid state is it's a it's a it's, a, it's a, essentially a hard drive, but instead of using physical disks that are spinning to record data, it uses flash. Right. Same um, kind of technology you have on your a basic flash drive. Yeah, or, or an SD card. Yeah, or an SD card. And they're getting to the point where they're not expensive anymore. Almost a dollar per gigabyte. Almost. Not quite. They're still a little bit more expensive than that. But so what Blackmagic did, and this is where, I mean, everyone was shocked about, you know, with NAB this year, is they came out with a camera that shoots in 2.5K resolution. That's t- uh, 2,500 pixels across. Raw. It's a weird choice, 2,500. Well, no. I mean, you have to consider the sensor size. The sensor size is not a full 35-millimeter sensor. It's actually Super 16, mm. which is great for a, a, you know, a growing independent market right. that really like that look. Everybody sees everything on DVD anyway. I mean, that's a thing. <laughs> well, even on Blu-ray, it looks great. Yeah. Super, I mean, Super 16 is an established format. It's what a, a vast majority of television, uh, like narrative television is shot with uh, still, like Scrubs, for instance. Yep. Um, the Wire, another great series that was shot on Super 16. Um, but anyway, and they made it a tiny little package. It's, with, a, it's almost an Apple-like 
design. It's, it's simple. A very, it's very a simple box. One, one block of aluminum. That you can attach a Canon lens on, an EF lens mount it's got. So if you already have Canon lenses like me, yeah, like I already, John. I already bought all these we Canon lenses. We already have lenses. this. Yeah. What will I do? So we can just reuse those lenses. It's got a... And it also also allows for the higher end ZF lenses, which I mean ZE mount lenses, which are Zeiss lenses. Zeiss lenses, which are a, a huge deal as well. Yeah, they're supposed to be some kind of higher grade, higher quality Holy shit, lens. Holy Frankie! Well, you'd use those I on use, a red. I use well, I used them on a 60D and a 7D actually this past summer, and I have to tell you, going from Canon, like I loved working with Canon lenses. I mean, I've been a Canon shooter pretty much all my life at this point, and I've I've never had a problem with them. But when I started shooting with Zeiss lenses this past summer, oh my god! You shot Dave's movie with. I Ze- shot Dave's movie with uh, we did Zeiss a Primes. Test with yeah, Kyle and I did a test on the soundstage. It with, was for like, our, for and I guess, and on a seventy, I couldn't really notice a big difference. But I feel like, like on a camera like this, we would notice it. You would absolutely. I mean, I could. I mean, I couldn't really tell on the back of the screen of the camera. But well, when we you sh- start viewing it, it's like, holy shit, that's sharp. We were shooting on like twenty-two millimeter lenses, though, at the same time. We were so shooting on wide it lenses. It gives you, I mean, yeah. Zeiss lenses give you, I mean, they're, they're Zeiss. I mean, it's the reason why they're so freaking expensive. I mean, this is what, if there's one thing they've perfected, it's lenses. That's their business. It's not everything, the whole package. What is it that's, that makes a good lens a good lens? What makes a lens a good lens is uh, minimizing the amount of distortion due to a zoom, for instance. I mean, we're talking about primes at the moment, but like, but uh, minimizing the amount of distortion around the edges of a lens, it's called lens aberration. Um, there's also, like, for instance, like a fisheye. It has a noticeable distortion. That's like, you okay. know a fisheye lens when you see you it because it, it yeah. kind of bends the picture. Cheaper, Everybody knows Cheaper that. lenses have a level of distortion as well. Like, lines across a horizon, will, you will notice, have a slight curve to it, and that shouldn't be. Uh, they are, they're also just not as sharp. Like, fine, like, the, like the fine grains of, of a grass blade, they may not be as sharp. They have a slight haze to it. All lenses have a sweet spot for the perfect f-stop, for instance, the perfect focal uh, focal length. Um, Zeiss does a fantastic job of making sure that your optimal sharpness is pretty much throughout your entire f-stop range. See, I always got the the impression that, <clears throat> like, when you start to get into the really good lenses, you you begin to split hairs at a certain point because you're only talking about its ability to do very specific sorts of shots. It is very specific. But and if you're if you're just shooting a narrative, and the, you know it's medium, close, wide, then really you only need maybe three or four. Lenses. You know how crazy you're going to get with your lensing. That is absolutely true. I mean, I never I, ne- I never use utilize the full Zeiss package on uh, Dave's movie, but it was definitely an eye opener for as an experience. Like, oh, this is what I can do. This is the level of control I have. This mm. is what it looks like. It opens up some options. Yeah, yeah. Although I always find that that it's a really smart idea. Well, I, I know this now, having worked with you guys on on sexually frank. I think I think sexually frank's pretty damn consistent in terms of its lend, lensing choices, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's to your guys's credit, and also I think to like how much we felt like carrying around a lot of the time. But I, if I were to shoot another movie, I would decide what the lenses were in yep. advance. Decide what use... the wide looks like, what the close looks like. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I probably wouldn't, you know, if I, I, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I, I'm going to use some really wide stuff, some really close stuff. And we kind stuff. of got close to that when we'd be able to say, like, yeah, get out the 50. We're yeah. going to need the 50 because this is going to be close. It's going to need It's a standard-looking movie. It. 50 yeah. is your standard lens. I mean, that's, I mean, with Dave's film, we had the pre-production time to be able to decide. We, I mean, we blocked that shot for shot well in advance. We knew what lenses we wanted to use. Yeah. It was when we actually, I got my hands on the lens, I was like, Oh holy shit! That's fucking sharp. Yeah, 
this is this is why people use Zeiss. But anyway, but anyway, getting Black back magic, to Black Magic, camera. their camera, the cinema camera, which I'm assuming is the first of which I love the name. They just oh, it's a cinema camera. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the cinema. camera. They're telling you what you're going to use it for. I mean, the thing that's really nice about it is that it shoots in two and a half K with a super 16 millimeter sensor, um, uses your Canon lenses, operates with a giant touchscreen on the back of it, fewer buttons, and you really you don't no extra buttons that you don't need. It's all right there. And it's only three thousand dollars. Yeah, it's which is ridiculous. It's I don't like, know how you they make li- it so cheap. You, you start listing the features. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I like this. Oh, this is a cute package. I really like it. And then you get down to the very bottom of the that's list, how I, and you yeah, see the, the price. When you forwarded it to me, that's what, I like, was like, well, this is going to be like ten k, but that's okay. And it's it like, because like a, yeah, the similar cameras from Sony, similar cameras from JVC, similar camera. I mean, the the new Canon five D Mark three. Is what four thousand dollars? Oh yeah, that's, and it that's doesn't a, even do. That's without a lens too. Yeah, exactly. It's without a lens. This is the thing that's like okay, Blackmagic is really good at taking a problem that's currently available in the industry of making something affordable and executing it perfectly. It doesn't have all kinds of crazy inputs too. Like I mean, it has just standard, yes. sta- wonderful standard audio inputs, SDI out. I mean, these are all just common. This is everything. What they did is they asked cinematographers what they want yeah. in a simple camera package, and they delivered it. And they tried. They're not using any proprietary formats, which is amazing. Like why? I mean, so what can it record in? It can record in. I mean, so you've got raw output. Using an actually an open standard uh, raw output, I can't remember what it actually is in front of me, but it, it is pretty. It's a pretty well accepted format for most editing applications at this point. It also has the ability to record in ProRes for all you Final Cut um, happy happy editors. Yeah, the, the Apple codec. It also has DNX HD recording for Avid editors, and I mean, Premiere works with both of those already off the bat. So like, you you just reached every market right there. Yeah. It's all done. Nothing needs to be upgraded. You're ready to go. I mean, it's pretty and magical. Yeah. I think it's amazing. That, it I mean, I, w- I was waiting <clears throat> for when 70 cornered the market so well and the 5D Mark II cornered the market so well. It seemed so obvious that someone should make a dedicated video version yeah. and make it way cheaper. See, right. It's not going to do all that amazing still stuff. That seems like the next chess move. Canon yeah. did that as well, but they decided, I'm going to target the pro yeah, people. just the pro people. Just the pro people. And they did it well. You've been talking about the Canon's latest I'm release? About, there, there's the C300. Yeah, that was kind of like, they were like, well, we made our 7Ds and our 5Ds. We're going to now make our big sort of reddish camera. And it was like, eh. But, it, but that was never even raw, though. It was yeah. high bit rate, yeah. But it's it was never fucking raw. expensive, if I remember right. Yeah, it was like six grand, maybe. Maybe yeah, more. It's like, that. I'm not going to. No one's going to. I was trying to figure out at the time. I'm like, who, who, who does this suit? Sony does a better job than that, and it's cheaper, too. Yeah. Like, um, you talking about the EX line, or I'm talking about. Um, I've actually got it right in front of me. What was it? Sony. Oh yeah, the NEX FS700 uh, cinema camera. Uh, it's able to do like absurd slow motion. At, uh, at well, that's four, one thing I don't. I, I, that's one thing I like about this. The the cinema camera, the Blackmagic one, is that it only does the standard. It only does 24, 25, 30. It doesn't need. It doesn't do the the dumb Canon thing. I think where, well, it's, well, it's where take, it does seven twenty at sixty. Get rid like, of who the, cares? Yeah, get rid of all the extraneous features and let's just focus on the simple on the simple elements that and need to be done. Give right. me a camera that makes beautiful images. Well, well that's you, pretty much you it. guys are holding the cameras, but I as the director need to see what the fuck is going on. That's the thing. This and it, you're tall and I'm short. This thing has a great <laughs> large screen on it, plus. Plus Video standard output. output. Uh, my dream is just to 
stand there with some kind of wireless screen and just because I'm just so. Well, I think lazy. even a wired screen. If you could just have, we have well, like that'd a be okay, six foot but you, cable you guys move a lot. We we can do that. Well, that's where uh, that's where you could actually use a product like, for instance. What I was talking about before, uh, where, where did I just put it? Talking oh, yeah, into the, the microphone, live, Daniel. The, uh, the, what was it? The company is, oh, yeah, Livestream. Literally, the company's name is Livestream, where you could just attach a box to it that'll rebroadcast it for you, and you can sit there with your 3G-enabled iPad and watch the stream coming off the laptop. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking for. That you can do that. Fantastic. You can do that. <clears throat> um, as of start, this camera? Starting, yeah, as of this camera. You, you'd be the hybrid of both black, ma- you have three different vendors. You've got... Blackmagic making the camera. You've got Livestream making the streaming device that you, you will attach to the HDMI output or the SDI output. And you've got your Apple iPad that will receive the stream. Yeah. No, I, I just buy... If there, I have might two, be a if, slight, there might be a slight delay. If I have two camera operators, I just have two iPads. I'm just holding <laughs> just up in front of me. I'm yeah. just like, yeah, I'm making a fucking film. There, well, there, I don't know, man. There'll but, be a delay to it, of course. Yeah, but. whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think we'll probably end up shooting the next movie on something like this. Depends what you guys feel like buying, really. Um, but we'll figure it out. I mean, for me, the magical, the really, really amazing part of it is this. When you get down to the $2,000, $3,000 range, that's when, like, I mean, my dad would be like, that, that looks amazing, and it's that cheap. Maybe I'll. I mean, he was an early adopter of VHS cameras, and he, even though he spent, like, $3,000 on his crappy VHS camera, he was like, it just records directly to a VHS tape. I can just play it on any player. It doesn't matter. That's the kind of magical quality you suddenly get people yeah, the thing you have to, the thing, the th- Oh, yeah, and I didn't even mention the most important part about where does this, how does it get stored. Yes. Black Magic, as I mentioned before, they've been kind of pioneers in using solid state in, in the recording studio. Well, they did the same thing here with the camera. They put a SSD recorder right in the camera. You just sl- slide in an SSD drive. You buy one at Best don't, Buy. It doesn't matter. You don't, you don't even have to lube it up. Just put it right in. <laughs> just stick it right in. Just put it right in. Don't even have to... Talk nice to There's me. There's no formatting. There's no crappy proprietary you stuff. Ta- it's just put it in there and record. It's not proprietary. Just take any old SSD drive. It doesn't matter who the hell makes it. You don't have to spend $3,000 on on a red drive. You don't. Just put in a standard SSD drive in there, and that's it. This was good, guys. If anybody was liking the laughs from the last few episodes... We were pretty sober now. We've screwed that shit up for them, but maybe I like this. I, I think we need the occasional little tech talk. Maybe Kyle and I should get drunk for the next tech talk. Oh, drunk <laughs> And I think time. that, um, you know, a lot of... I don't know who, who exactly listens to our podcast, but I know that it's probably filmmakers, and... A lot of them think they don't know. They don't have to know this shit. I never meant to know any of these product lines. I just wanted to make movies about people putting toes in bums. I mean, the thing is, but we, but we also wanted to know <laughs> how to do it. We also wanted to know how to do it cheaply. And, and effectively. so I had to learn the stupid stuff. cheaply. And now um, I'm I'm better for it. And uh, so I don't know, man. I, I get into it, but at the same time, some people get into film because they like the toys so much that that they like the toys more than they like the content. And so it's a it's a balance of... And we well, kind of rally go, against that often. Well, yeah. you can go right for Engadget then, those kinds of people. Yeah, just read Engadget, you fucking cunt. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can listen at redcountertainment.com. Go to podcasts. You can listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, Smart Radio, it's an app for iPhone and Android. Blah, blah, blah. You can listen to us on iTunes. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Suck my dick. Suck no one likes the self-promotion part. No, why would they? I'm sorry, I have to let people know. I know. That's why Stan- standard issues. Just, 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 like, just wait until you just wait until you start having advertisements. <laughs> yes. Fuck that. To uh, go to mypc.com. <laughs> All right. Bye.